Episode 78, Genesis of the Daleks, a six-part episode, um, technically one of the, the last episode filmed in series 12, but of course production order is different to airing order, mm -hmm. um, continues the plot, uh, sort of continued plot that we've had of our heroes trying to get back to the Nerva Beacon from Earth through Transmat. The show has plot. Um, uh, quite a lot of plot. This one especially so. Uh, this A lot happens with this episode and a lot happens to because of this episode. I don't think um, I saw any. Speaking of this episode, uh, what happens in this episode, dear? Nazis. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You gonna explain? No. Okay. Well, I will then. Mm -hmm. So we open up with our TARDIS team not being there. We open up instead in what appears to be a World War One or even World War Two esque trench, sort of a mixed bag. Uh, there's fog everywhere. There's soldiers running around with gas masks and what appear to be rifles of some sort, shooting and killing each other. And we fade into the fog once more to cut to the Doctor by himself in the fog, uh, sort of confused at where he is. And suddenly upon him is another Time Lord who informs him uh, that, hey, don't worry, uh, we're taking you off course for a little bit. Uh, we need you to do some jobs for us. Why don't you just uh, do the podcast? You're so much better at this and care so much more than I do. Let give me the uh, give me the book. I'll I'll read the facts in between all the fucking pieces. Okay, here's the thing. In the book, I I the book I don't actually. There are only some times where I legitimately will just read out what it says. Most of the time, what it's when it says something, I'm like, huh, okay. And then I like while we're watching the episode, I look into it more to figure out like the actual context of a lot of it. Uh -huh. Um. This one especially, there's a lot to talk about, but yes, the continue from there, dear. What does what does the doctor say about being? But you were uh, doing so good. Conscripted. Oh, he was like, "Whatever you want me to do, I won't do it." And then they say the secret magic word, so I guess we're doing it. The word's Dalek, by the <laughs> way. Uh, he wants Tim to travel back in time and make the Dal Daleks less aggressive when they were first made. But also, we already put you on the planet that you need to be. So, haha, -ha, have a time ring. Bye. Also, Sarah and Harry are also here. Then they get bombed, and they also find some dead bodies. There's centuries between the two weapons on, in this fight, and there's apparently a lot of time between all the stuff he has so maybe the war's been going on forever and they're running out of supplies too bad we walked straight into a minefield actually whoops i stepped on a landmine but it's actually no big deal cut to something watching them before they walk up to see a big old dome city oops there's different dudes over here it might actually have been a really long war oh look a door long but instead let's follow this trench instead but then they get gassed and also attacked. And then the door opens and people come to help. And they take the doctor and Harry inside and go, wait, maybe these are robots. Let's tra transport them to our base in this minecart thing. And now they're prisoners and they're going to be shot. Empty your pockets. And we have a whole conversation about various things in genocide. And then, oops. Activate the powered rails. I smacked your fingers. <laughs> Now we have the gun in the upper hand. Wait, Kaled is an anagram for uh, anal, and and Nilbog you... is goblin spelled backwards. <laughs> oh, can you take us back to the wastelands, please? And they're like, no. But then Sarah wakes up and is looking around, runs off. At night, we learn that these things called mutos attack. So Sarah's probably dead. Too bad. Too bad. Heinrich Himmler shows up and tries to take the doctor prisoner for a, a chat and then they leave mm -hmm. and then they walk away and shoot at them both uh, and thus a chase and oh good we're trapped oh the door and then the doctor and Harry run away faster 
Too bad they get caught again. While Sarah wanders around, Doctor is brought into the Nazi room and is asked what a device is. He learns about Davros, someone who is extremely smart and perfect in every way. Mutos were made by mutating people from the previous war, and they were cast out for not being pure blood. Do you fucking see where this is going yet? They're going to be yep. taken and by nice. Himmler, and Sarah gets chased by men in big coats. Sarah finds a dead mummified body, but actually it's Davros, and he's controlling a Dalek! And he's like, it's time to begin. And that's it. Do you get it? It's now time to begin. Do you Hello. get it? Well, here's the thing, dear. A lot of people uh, kind of needed to be reminded. Um, really? That's, so? That's sad. Let's have a fun story about Britain. <sighs> so, fascism. You know that, dear? Yeah. Good. Nazis. You know them. Mm-hmm. So... There was an a sort of thing going on in the 70s in Britain where <sighs> depictions of fascism and more specifically Nazis in general was more taken in the uh generally tended to be humorous in nature or you know your your standard sort of american uh propaganda like uh you know war films, that sort of thing. But even then, it's that sort of thing of, like, war was always shown, but things like Nazi atrocities weren't shown. It's it's a a sort of problem of uh, we, people were always told Nazis are bad, and people who had grown up uh, being children in the war, or children born just after the war had grown up, not living through these Nazi atrocities or really living through the experience of them happening in their world. Um, so, due to that, and a myriad of other reasons that I'm not going to get into, because it would take way too long to explain, uh, fascism was rising rather fast in the UK. Um, and so, major depictions of Nazis weren't... Sort of the brutality and... Uh, ho true horror of Nazis had kind of been taken away. Instead, it was like either they were just generic evil uh, or bad, bad guys, or they were comedic depictions, sort of, you know, trying to remove their power through humor, which can be useful, but it also leads to a kind of a paradox to where people, when they see signs of fascism, don't really take it seriously because it's got an association in their mind of you know it's they can't do anything nazis were in the past like when when no one's that stupid we're not falling back to it um uh so one one could argue that uh britain had long has had a long history with fascism just like america has uh because you know it wasn't really fascism until around that era uh, but the, the sort of main tenets of fascism uh, tend to have their roots in British and Americans, uh, sort of, as a result, culture. Uh, so the Nazis were kind of, come, not coming back, but yeah, fascism was rising once more in the UK. And it, <laughs> this story was kind of written between Terry Nation and Robert Holmes, it was mainly, it's kind of disputed how much Robert Holmes, the script editor, wrote on this, because what tended to happen, because they changed the production schedules and everything, uh, Terry Nation would basically submit a script and they would just say, uh, do it better, do a better version, we want this, or whatever, we'll, we'll take it, go with it. But because they changed it, Terry Nation had more time and more uh, more enthusiasm, it's sort of a fresh take on Doctor Who to, to go with, so he made basically jumped with this story that was inspired by a few other things um but the one thing that they wanted to do uh robert holmes and philip Hinch hinchcliffe who is the new producer remember uh was that they wanted to bring back the terror of the daleks and remind people sort of the brutality of an ideology like this 
and before before now it has always been kind of assumed that the daleks were sort of based in nazi ideology sort of as an inspiration uh, but this episode firmly confirms that and makes it less subtle in a kind of an attempt to ram it through people's heads about not just Nazis bad, but why they're bad. Because it's not just... Because it's important to not just say that something is bad, it's important to say why it's bad. Because otherwise you run into a problem where a lot of people grow up just hearing that something is bad, and then they start to question, well, why am I being told this? Like, what is the quote-unquote true story? Which, you know, a lot of people then become very vulnerable and fall into a state where they are... Like easily manipulated into uh, groups and situations to which, under any normal circumstances, they wouldn't become uh, or be part of and become something that, if they'd take a step back, they would definitely not agree with. Um, so, Philip Hinchcliffe especially wanted to bring back the terror to the Daleks in, in this episode through filming it specifically. Um, and he accomplishes that by mainly fil- trying to not film them through a wide-angle lens as much as possible uh, and trying to film them from below to sort of have that overhanging presence, which has... <laughs> whether I can't find any evidence for it, but whether he understands where those te- filming techniques were kind of popularised and uh, sort of have their prominence which is uh, Lenny Riefenstahl's work, who was a, uh, to say the least, controversial um, fascist uh, filmographer uh, who filmed a lot of Nazi propaganda for the Nazis. Uh, That's where a lot of those techniques come from. Uh, Well, more more popularized to to push agendas and such. Uh, So we have this story that is very on the nose about about fascism itself and the consequences of fascism especially because it's not just like past stories with Daleks like you know death to the Daleks and everything where it's like hey there are Daleks here they're just killing everyone or like hey there are Daleks but I can team up with them it's gonna be fine oh god they've betrayed me this is a story about well the genesis of the Daleks and what that entails and what sort of person would create the Daleks and what situation would lead them to do it. Um, and what leads someone to nearly do the mirror version of it. Uh, but that's the setup to this story where it's come from, essentially. There's more to talk about, which I'm going to, but for now, what happens in part two, dear? <laughs> Sarah gets caught, they go into Henry and the doctor go into a security scan without tea, uh, but they have to do it or they I want die. Tea. And then in the security scanner, Harry is fine, but the doctor is beeped because of the bracelet ring he was given. Uh, now they the take all his stuff and they're sent for research while the Mudo whatevers want to kill all the normies. And Sarah's like, ah, and then some soldiers come up and they're like, let's use Sarah and this Muyuto, whatever. And while the doctor is <laughs> being researched for some whatever reason. But wow, there's no life outside this planet. Wait, no. Yeah, you are. You're from outside this planet. Oh, God. Too bad. The beeping starts and Davros is here and he's in the bottom of a Daleky thing to move around. And he's going to give a demonstration of the Dalek and the doctor's like, oh God. And like, tied to give it its penis so that it can think for itself. And it tries to kill Harry and the doctor which then the researcher stops and is punished for. But they have until sunset to ask the doctor things and move on. The uh, Thulls are using a rocket to try and win in one big explosion. Too bad the slaves who are used to fight back uh, I expose are exposed to some really bad shit and will die, who also includes Sarah. And she's being introduced to all the toxic Twitter threads now while the doctor is kicked out of Starbucks. <laughs> this is basically a think tank 
from long ago. He got thrown out of the Starbucks. You saw it happen. True. And True. and True. they finally took over. The professor comes down to talk to them and goes, sorry, I can't do anything. Oh, by the way, did you know? How did you know what a Dalek is? So now there's no way to reverse the mutations. Davros made an ultimate creature. Please look in this window and be very scared of it. Sarah wants to plan a revolt, but what's the plan? And the Thal here just want to fuck us up. But what if we get to the nose of the rocket, then down, and it'll be good on the on the scaffolding? And he's like, okay. The professor wants the doctor and them to get out of there into a ventilation system that leads them to a cave full of other experiments. Down in the cave, the iguanas are active, and up by the rocket, Sarah and <gasps> the escapees are climbing. But the escaping people, alarm goes off, and some of them get shot. But then Sarah also falls to her death. So that's it. Yeah. Uh, in a freeze frame, which is the first for the series, not the last, uh, director David Maloney um, uh, decided to restructure the episode for certain reasons, uh, but it led to the, the cliffhanger now being Sarah falling, and they were like, well, we, there's not enough to actually make it a proper cliffhanger, so they just went, we'll just, well, we'll use a freeze frame. Uh, they use a freeze frame again, but they they don't tend to use it that much, they tend to more want to use more moving video. Um, <laughs> uh, so, in the conversation that the Doctor and the, the Time Lord have, um, the the specific Time Lord, who is not named, but uh, various uh, extended universe sort of uh, media have named them as someone different each time, or the same person, but from a different circumstance. Uh, that person tells the Doctor that the Time Lords have se have predicted a possible time uh, where the Daleks will be the supreme rulers of the universe, essentially, and there's nothing anyone can do about it. So they're sending the Doctor back in time to prevent this by any means necessary. Um, now... This is a pivotal moment in kind of Doctor Who history. Um, because... They took uh, their Iron Crosses the... off? Well, I'll get to that in a second. Um, but uh, this moment in which the Doctor goes back here is, is considered uh, the, quote, uh, first strike of what is now colloquially known as the Time War which anyone who's watched the new series uh, from 2005 onwards would know about. And that is intentional, uh, because Russell T. Davies in the new series, the showrunner of the first few series of uh, the revival, uh, very much commented on a behind-the-scenes uh, confidential that the origins of the Time War date back to this story specifically, uh, and that the Time Lord struck first. Um, uh it's it's a also a a a a very pivotal piece in other other fiction as well and to deal with the fact that the Daleks and the Doctor have a intertwined history and the Doctor um going back and averting or diverting their, their evolution or creation is in some way, what creates the Daleks, in a sense, uh, and because of it, they're kind of intertwined, um, which leads to the Time War, which, uh, spoilers, is not good for the universe, uh, or the Time Lords. It's pretty, pretty good for the Daleks, they like war. Um, but, it, it, yes, it's a, a kind of a pivotal moment that, that comes back to in a lot of different episodes. Uh, especially from here on out. All Dalek episodes from here on out kind of follow an arc of sorts. Um, I won't spoil what the arc is, but it's it's an arc about the Daleks themselves and sort of goes in a bit more deeper about the 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 sort of how does an, an ideology of fascism continue? Because, you know, fascism is a very powerful short-term sort of ideology to to gain power but how do you sustain power in a in a fascist dictatorship 
Um, or as, <laughs> or as sort of the Daleks are, are put, because it, it less becomes uh, a, a sort of fascist dictatorship because there's no real dictator of the Daleks. Um, although that is a good episode title, and they probably have used it somewhere. Um, but they they come more concerned with that, which is why Dalek episodes are still kind of interesting because they don't divorce themselves from the kind of roots of the Daleks. They don't just become a monster that shows up. There's always sort of a reason and a rhyme to it. Um, but yeah, this is the the Doctor shooting the first shot in a war that he never wanted to take part in. Uh, he's kind of forced to. But okay, so Nida who is Davros's right-hand man and is also admittedly uh, by Terry Nation, uh, based Nida off uh, uh, Heinrich Himmler. Uh, that wasn't just a d- joke that Deer made. Uh, he very much is a parallel of, of Himmler in a, both appearance and in character. He's cold-hearted, he's ruthless. I mean, I called uh, him and... Goebbels at first, to be fair. Yeah, he... he, he... <laughs> To be fair, he does look a bit like Goebbels. Um, there is no Goebbels in this one because that would have expanded... That would have kind of confused the story a little bit more. Um, uh, we'll get more into Davros in a bit because I want to talk a lot about Davros. But Nida, uh, he also wears an Iron Cross in earlier episodes and occasionally in later episodes. Um, this was uh, not by choice of the director or production assistant or anyone. It was by choice of the actor. Uh, and when people noticed he was wearing it, uh, they were like, hey, no, don't wear that. Um, for various reasons. Uh, he's not a Nazi. <laughs> Let me put this clear. The actor himself was not a Nazi. I I want to make that clear. He wasn't a fascist. He, he, he just was like, you know, well, we wear this to like really drive the point home. But the problem is there's a difference between having a having characters like Davros and Nida and the Daleks be parallels and allegories for the, for the Nazis and literally depicting the Nazis. There is a massive difference between the two. Um, first of all, to connect the two in-universe uh, is an incredibly weird thing to do, makes no sense with a timeline, and also just is a weird thing to do in general um uh but also just in in sort of uh creation of production it is way too visceral way too real because there is always an element with the daleks that it's like this isn't real it's portraying things that are essentially real and uh fictionalizing kind of uh, events that were real or taking inspiration from real events but they themselves are not real uh, there are people like them but they are not real um, whereas you know depicting Nazis defeats the point of it and kind of muddies the water quite a bit uh, so yeah that's why his Iron Cross suddenly just disappears uh, from ep- between episode and episode uh, because Someone on the on the set just noticed that he was wearing it. it. Was like, no, 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 no. That that's one step too far. That is, we want to invoke Nazism. We don't want to symbolize Nazism. Um, which yeah, that's that's the thing with that. Um, so what happens in the next part, dear? Uh, well, Sarah just fell to her death, right? So she's dead. Sarah's uh, dead. Okay, well, actually, she just landed on the tower below, and she's saved. She's okay. Uh, only the two of them make it, and they have to jump across to the other side, but they actually got caught, and, oh, Sarah gets dangled off the rocket, and she's okay. But the doctor has gotten into the caves. Henry gets his foot trapped in a clam. Wait, no, he's okay. Uh, so let's pull these literal iron bars apart to get through them. Oh, the professor is known by another scientist here and knows what the fuck is going on. And he's like, bro, like, I, I'm here to help. Everyone's a piece of shit. And the doctor is now telling you the counselors that he went to find about the Daleks. But he went and tells them all these things about how the Daleks are really evil from the future. And they're like, OK, we'll think about it. Well, time to fill the rocket with more toxic stuff while Sarah passes out. 
And Darren is being told about the secret meeting with the doctor. Back at the doctor, no one could agree with half the experiments, but we will check it out with the proper paperwork. It's fine. Oh, by the way, Sarah was last seen with the Thals looking, loading their rocket or whatever. Darren agrees to the investigation. Everyone is a little bit freaked out, but then someone, <laughs> but then someone later, uh, then seconds later, Darren mentions that they, the Daleks, will survive. Even the Colin people will die, but they'll survive. Meanwhile, at this meeting, two of the people, uh, it just goes, I don't know, whatever. And then there's apparently Darren and his Himmler friend are meeting two other people from the other community. And they're like, your rockets are weak, bro. Here, have this information about how to make our dome explode. It'll give us peace. And they're like, okay. Doctor and Harry are also here and they're looking to rescue Sarah. But the doctor shows up and Sarah's like, Jesus, save us, please. And doctor's like, okay, uh, I'm going to stay behind with the rocket, though. But oops, the, the the rocket man hits a button that electrocutes the doctor. Uh, yeah. So, uh, like I said earlier, uh, this episode very much is incredibly brutal. Uh, lots of violence, which, yes, they got letters about. Um... A lot of on-screen violence and on-screen deaths as well. No blood, of course, because blood makes things too real. Um, but a lot of on-screen violence. And it's kind of because Philip Hinchcliffe and Robert Holmes wanted to add more of a terrifying element to Doctor Who. Um, which is why this is kind of a middle ground with how Dalek episodes go from here on out. Of, of that sort of... Um, uh, old style Doctor Who, uh, and the sort sort of more the old style of Doctor Who, which is like you know, man has evil plan. Moo ha 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 ha! Uh, I'm going to enact plan. Oh no, the Doctor's here to save the day, uh, and sort of the new style that they were going for, which was a more wanting to depict the sort of brutality of life, sort of a dog eat dog world style thing. Um, you know, the, the, having, like, the Wirren exist. Like, the Wirren weren't just evil. Like, they were just trying to survive. Like, yeah, they were kind of evil in the way they came about it, and then, it, it, you know, they in the end, they make them evil. But the sort of concept of the Wirrens and the concept of the episode and the way the episode starts is like, yeah, this is kind of, like, I mean, you can't really fault the Wirren. They're just trying to survive. In the end, they do go about it in the most aggressive and brutal way but you know it's still for children at the end um yeah this is this is also the first time that uh, eugenics actually becomes a major part of the Dalek mythos before now every Dalek episode has kind of just sort of said that the, the Daleks evolved and mutated over time into this sort of mutation which scrubs the surface but it's very much brought up in in this episode and consequent uh, consequent uh subsequent episodes that uh the Daleks are genetically altered uh like Davros says he's removed all sort of impurities as he would say uh sort of positive emotions uh sort of flagrant things that that don't matter um in the pursuit of, of a, a core tenant of survival and domination. Um, which, you know, eugenics being kind of a major, major part of uh, fascist ideology and sort of the concept of purity in species form or the more reality one, which was racial purity, which is a bullshit concept in and of itself. Um... But yes, uh, the, it's why the Daleks have, I'm essentially describing why the Daleks have been able to stay so relevant and fresh throughout the years. Um, obviously not every story written about them is good or utilizes this or continues this. Like sometimes it is just, hey, it's the Daleks, the Daleks are bad, like let's have a story with Daleks or a twist on them. Um. But this one especially is is wanting to 
start it and, and evolve them in an ironic way uh, to a more fully fledged uh, monster. Um, he wanted they they wanted especially to to uh, depict how that someone could be like how how someone living in this society like living in a living in a society where uh, the Khalids are developing the Daleks and, and Davros is you know rising in power essentially and clamoring for power, which reminds you of a certain someone. Um, uh, how the people living in that society and li working around them could be blamed for... Oh, apparently I'm getting a call. No, I'm not. Um, how they could be blamed for something which they were kind of unaware of. Like, throughout this episode, we discover that a lot of people, basically everyone, has no idea what Davros is doing. He is misleading everyone at every step of the way because he knows if he tries to enact his plans or tries to seize any sort of power, it wouldn't work because he knows that the obstacle to his goal is essentially the people. Uh, but it's the sort of thing of, in the future, people don't see it their way. They see it as the Khalids and the Daleks are all one. They are all this evil thing. Um, which is, is kind of a thing where you have a lot of... Uh, Faulty, there's an episode of Faulty Towers that actually deals with this very well called The Germans. Uh, it talks about this sort of problem. Uh, it's a good dissection of it. Uh, but yeah, fascist eugenicist ideology was creeping back into the UK, so they were wanting to make it more brutal. Um, and Terry Nation had some things to say, as it were. <laughs> uh, here, as a, as a lighter note... Um, the the man who played Davros, uh, Michael Michael Wisher, yeah, Michael Wisher. Uh, he when they were in rehearsals, Wisher, uh, when they were in rehearsals for this, he would wear a paper bag on his head to sort of simulate the, um, not for everyone else, mainly for him, so he could uh, get used to the kind of claustrophobic makeup and everything that he would have to wear. He only had two small slits in his eyes so he could see, um. And also, uh, two holes in the top of the bag because he was a prolific smoker. <laughs> so, <laughs> as they're rehearsing, you would just see this man sitting down with a, with, a, with a paper bag on his head and some smoke popping out the top. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, also, he, in the, the sort of mechanism of Davros, he's uh, wearing knee pads and a kilt because uh, it's a very small mechanism in there, and it was very hard for him to move around, and it was just way more comfortable to just be wearing knee pads to kneel down and a kilt so that you wouldn't get caught by, you know, constant moving of uh, legs and knees, etc. Um, but, yeah, I, I like to just imagine this man sort of rehearsing with smoke coming out of his head. Uh, hmm. <laughs> what happened in the next part, dear? Uh, well, it looks like the rocket's gonna launch regardless, and everyone is now watching the dome explode in the rocket launch, and he sent Hera and Sarah, Henry and Sarah, to the dome as well, so I guess they're dead. Uh, time to avenge all the dead people by using the Daleks in order to murder everyone, also the professor. Meanwhile... In the city, everyone is cheering the deaths of millions, and the doctor tells a girl about the Daleks and learns about David's plan about helping the dome. Oops, here you go. It's the new genetics for the Daleks. They won't feel emotions and shit. Cut to a Dalek murdering everyone in the other city without question. The doctor hides with a girl from earlier, and they sneak out. They then need to plan something and save the people, and the doctor gets attacked by Mutos before Harry and Sarah save him. Back with the scientists, they're having a problem and with the thought circuits, and they whisper yell to each other about the re their resistance together. The Doctor and the Mutos are talking about the resistance with the Thralls. Himmler has come down and is ready to betray David, but also let's go to the lower level before we do that. There's more clams down here, and the crew, they Clam. all scream and run a lot. Back to Himmler talking to that one dude, and Himmler's like, okay, how can we help? And then he fucking backstabs him, because of course, and everyone's gonna get killed now. 
They're going to remove all the remote his emotions instead, actually, though. So put him in the prison with the other scientists just so we can finish the project. Oops, then the doctor gets caught, and David has him strapped to a chair for torture. And he tells him all about these, like, tell me all about the Daleks in the future and how they fail so that I can fix it. And he doesn't tell David. Uh, then cut to some troops in the other city in a trench with the others. Uh, and they're hanging out back at the doctor. If he lies, his friends are, are going to suffer a, a lot of pain. And if he does, millions are going to die. And then that's it. Yeah, millions are going to die. That, well, arguably it's more like billions and trillions. But again, Terry Nation's not that good with numbers. Mm -hmm. If you remember previous episodes, he was like, uh, the Daleks throughout the galaxy have like conquered like thousands of, of, of uh, people. Uh, like the sort of like, uh, uh, oh God, uh, frontier in space where the Daleks are there, where it's the, the master and the Ogrons. That's sort of like, Oh, yes, the millions of people throughout the Earth Empire. It's like, if there's an empire of Earth in the quite distant future, like, it's not going to be millions of people. It's going to be billions of people. Like, come on, Terry Nation. $1 million. Ah, uh, well, in that case, you can get that. You can't get $1 billion. That apparently doesn't exist. Mm. Um, <laughs> so, uh, talking about... Uh, Michael Wisher in Davros costume again. Uh, he regularly, during like interviews and such, uh, would would uh, go on to say that uh, when he had the bag over his head in rehearsals, the cast and crew would forget that he was there and would just go off to lunch without him. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, he would kind of just look like a statue. Uh, which also, when two children uh, supposedly uh, came to visit Tom Baker at the BBC Studios... Uh, Michael Wisher was there in costume as well, and he scared the living daylights out of them because they thought he was a statue at first. <laughs> uh, and then he started moving and talking, and then that scared them further. Um, mm. But Davros himself kind of exists because Terry Nation, A, wanted to explore the creation of the Daleks, but also he wanted someone to be the, quote, sort of mouthpiece for the Daleks because he, 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 he thought that um, doing... Uh, sort of the Daleks are doing voiceover, sort of like speeches and such, uh, was incredibly boring, which I completely agree with. Dalek, especially in the classic series, the new series, they do a better job of it. Um, but in the classic series, especially when they give Dalek speeches to like have arguments with people, it's like, this is really grating and you can't really get much emotion out of whatever they're saying, which I... It, you're kind of meant to still like they're not emotionless they're not like the cybermen are meant to be even though they're not especially in the 80s jesus christ um but it, it's very grating to hear a dalek drone on and on very slowly about something going on like it's much better to have someone basically be their spokesperson uh, and uh, davros is great he is a great character uh he has a lot of a lot of extended media about him uh, so, especially a, a series of four audio dramas that I believe are a direct prequel to this series. Um, basically up until the Doctor comes in, um, describing his rise to power. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, yeah, this, this, uh, episode very, very much goes about the lengths that Davros will go to and then the sort of true horror of the Daleks in that he will hide the true nature of the Daleks from his own people and then when facing a reality where his own people are discovering what he's doing with the Daleks and are wanting to stop him uh, he commits genocide on his own people basically um, and would those are the, the, the lengths that he will go to like there's a lot of death in this episode. And it's like, if you're explaining the genesis of the Daleks, you kind of need to uh, have this much sort of death and destruction to drive the point home. And it's all futile deaths too. It's sort of a death for, for no real purpose. Like, it's not for glory or anything. And even then, the glory isn't worth it. Um, but uh, another, another little little thing... 
Elizabeth Sladen, Sarah Jane Smith, um, in the, the stunt where she was falling from the scaffolding in part two, the, the freeze frame, as we all remember, uh, the director uh, discovered that she would be falling from eight feet, uh, but Elizabeth Sladen had been falling ten feet in rehearsals, um, because, you know, ten feet would have been enough time for them to do the proper free, uh, not freeze frame, proper, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Cliffhanger. That's the word I'm looking for. Thank you, Brain, mm-hmm. for eventually coming to the word. Um, to have time to film for the, the thing. But, unfortunately, it was only eight feet that they could do. So they went, oh, shit, we don't have enough time to, like, have it go past. Like, she'll go past so quickly in the camera that we won't be able to see it. So we'll have to freeze. That's mainly why it's a freeze frame. Um, uh, another thing as well, when they're putting the gun inside the Dalek in part two, when, um, I've forgotten his name. He dies. It doesn't matter. They all die. Um, he's fitting a, the gun in the Dalek. Uh, it actually took him a long time to do it, because uh, it, it wasn't a simple nature of plug Dalek in, and then put gun in, and then let go. It was like he had to put his arm all the way in the slot, figure out where the thing was, plug it in, and then try and jimmy the gun in properly. So they bridged it with like a weird reaction shot of, of, of uh, the Doctor looking sort of... Uh, morbid and sort of terrified at what was going on um, mm-hmm. which I find kind of funny that they just sort of pieced it together <laughs> um, but what happens in the next episode dear? Uh, well the doctor agrees to tell them everything and Sarah and Henry are shoved into a cell after he tells them everything and that one revolution boy is in here with emotion still so that's something a scientist comes up to talk to the prisoners and is stopped by the guard before he pulls out a stick and he beats him up. Davinci is excited about the Daleks <laughs> and, and the doctor is like, would you download a car, bro? And he's like, well, yes, of course. And the doctor just then takes his arm and threatens him to turn off his life support. I, and, <laughs> What's up? Would you download a car, bro? <laughs> he, he literally... St- that is not what he said yeah in any capacity no he was just he he was talking (laughs) he basically went to davros and was like okay say theoretically you have an organism a, a bacteria that will just that will wipe out all life on earth and will be the only life left what like would you set that bacteria free and davros sort of, you, you get an insight into Davros more and more of, like, he he revels in it. He would actually be incredibly excited to have such power within his hands to be able to just slightly put pressure on his thumb and then suddenly that's it. The end of everything. All that's left is this one microorganism. And the doctor goes, oh, okay, so I need to stop you then. There's no real, really convincing you. You are, you are completely... Not crazy, but like you are completely devoted to You know to what your that sounds like? That and... sounds like he would download a car. Nope. It's not that. that no. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I, ju- I just. I, okay. I, it, it's, it's, it's more like the uh, would you download a car or, or would you rather watch. Would you rather watch the ad that's like. Uh, would you wouldn't download a car, or would you watch the comedic sketch from the IT crowd where it's like you wouldn't download a car, and then the FBI shoots the girl in the back in the head as she's downloading a car? What would you <laughs> rather? Like it's more like that if you want to go with the download a car analogy. <laughs> Even then, it's still clunky. No, it's it's the exact same. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> I'm I'm surprised you're not laughing at the Davinci thing, but anyway. Oh, I was laughing at Davinci. I've given up with that. At least Davinci is kind of close to Davros, so anyone listening is not going to get incredibly confused when you say, "And then Derek did this," and people are going, "Who's Derek? Do you mean Davros?" Uh, it's fine. Uh. Anyway, he is—he ta- makes it a, a, a an order for the Daleks to kill 
to stop all production, whatever. And then the doctor's like, okay. And then Himmler comes in and pokes the doctor to sleep. And he's like, obey, don't obey that order. I, I, no, no. And then the Daleks are commanded to return to the bunker. And those people in the trench are still hanging out. Doctors put in prison cell, but Henry is the guard, so the revolution is starting. But and he's ready for them, so it's not like they're gonna die, right? Uh, the resistance is winning though, so let's just finish it. And Himmler goes to talk to Davinky, and he just keeps pushing some buttons, and he's like, "Is it time to surrender?" And they're like, "Yeah, okay." Uh, oh, but this is a double cross on them again, so let's go surrender. And he's like, "Okay." And then the doctor is running around and has found some explosives. So he's like, I'm going to kill the entire incubation room. Meanwhile, at the giving up speech, Davinci is like, no, please, not anything but democracy. And the doctor is ready to set the charges inside the baby Dalek room. And Davinci has decided to agree to the democracy, but something is still weird. And then Sarah's like, the doctor's taking a long time. And then he comes through the door and he's got like octopus Daleks like wrapped around him. And then, yeah. <laughs> oh. oh, boy. I t- <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so let's talk about Davros. Uh, Davros, if, if you haven't picked it up. David. Davros is very much a clear allusion to Joseph Mengel. Daniel. Uh, who himself can... <laughs> Notoriously conducted a, a horrific, horrific experiments on prisoners and concentration camps. Yeah. Um, if, you, if you don't know about any of these real people we're talking about, I... Please, highly suggest read a history book. Please read Not a history an book. One. Please um, read multiple history books. Please read. Please read a history book that is not American. Um, <sighs> uh, yeah, he very much is an allusion to that. He's a scientist by trade. Uh, there are various sort of audio adventures that uh, uh, bring up this sort of scientist nature of him. Um, uh, and have this constant uh, struggle between the Doctor and Davros over ideology and over pervading, like, essentially the fact of, is all life precious? Um, like, here especially we have the Doctor kind of overtly state his disdain for militarization and sort of fascism as a, a total. So we're getting that more development of the Doctor as a moral figure. Um, more so than previously he he was. Like, throughout the third Doctor, we get that a bit here and there. It's slowly starting to develop, but the fourth Doctor is very much where it develops. Um, to the point where we get uh, the probably most famous scene from this episode. Uh, it's the one thing a lot of people remember where... Uh, th- I'm going to talk about it now anyway. Uh, the the doctor is holding the two wires uh, to blow up the incubation chamber and essentially kill, commit genocide, kill the Daleks mm-hmm. uh, in in their embryonic form, um, so they can't be manufactured into what they are. And he hesitates before connecting the wires to to make the explosion happen because he has this moral quandary of. If I do this and I kill the Daleks, like, a lot of history is rewritten. A lot of history changes. A lot of things that have happened will never have happened. A lot of bad things that have happened wouldn't have happened. But a lot of good things that would have happened also wouldn't have happened. And it's a case of who's to say, like, it shouldn't be up to a single person. No one person, no anyone should have such power to change things on such a level. And to do so would essentially make him the exact same as Davros. Uh, having this power to create something that changes the universe. Um, and so he ultimately decides that he can't do it. Uh, mainly because he's told that, hey, actually, uh, we win. Uh, 
Davros is giving into our demands, and he just goes, thank God I don't have to commit genocide. Um, but it is this incredibly moral quandary, and to the point where he turns to Sarah Jane and essentially says, if someone points out a child to you and tells you that that person grows up to be essentially Hitler in everything but name, uh, could you kill that child? And a lot of people would say, yeah, of course, but it's like, can you actually... If you could like, change for a your lot of, fate. It's, if you could change your fate, would you? Me um, <laughs> Fucking hell, that movie. I've watched Brave <laughs> once, and I never want to watch it again. I love um, Brave. Get out of here. Anyway. So, <laughs> uh, it is a, a, a moral quandary of multitudes of depth of... Like, it can, it's very easy to say, yes, kill the Daleks. Of course, they kill so many people and go from there. But as the Doctor points out and other stories very much point out, uh, the Daleks are so intertwined with history and so many atrocities and so, much, so many things happening because of the Daleks. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's a point of, to suddenly remove them irrevocably changes a timeline to be something completely different. And it's it becomes a question of who's to say which timeline is ultimately better for the majority. And it becomes a point of, well, what are you judging all of this by? And it's a, a, a moral debate. And it's like, you don't really expect something like this from Doctor Who uh, to have the Doctor sort of pause before committing such violence. Like, in the past, the Doctor would have just... Uh, killed them and that would have been it and they would have had like some sort of thing about oh we killed them all but some survived uh, but it's okay but it's like no 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 they are fully going like if he does this this is genocide this is all of them um, and it is a incredibly powerful point and is what elevates this episode and this season and this era of Doctor Who to be a lot more interesting than people tend to realize because it does generate that sort of aura around the doctor of moral, not moral authority, but sort of a, a moral guidance and a, a, a point of like questioning morality of its audience, not just sort of providing some sort of popcorn entertainment, but sort of positing to the audience, like, Hey, would you do this? Is it right to do this? Is it actually right to do this? Um, which, you know, in the 70s and such is a, a, a big change from the 60s era of Doctor Who. Uh, but... There's still one more part to talk about. There is. Um, what happens in it, dear? Um, well, they have gotten them off of the Doctor, and he contemplates killing mm-hmm. the Daleks, uh, blah 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 mm-hmm. and then the, the revolution dude comes up and goes hey there's a meeting will you come and they're like sure and they just leave uh, cut to everyone arguing about genetic mutation and how ever, ever, someone must always dominate others I like being the bottom personally I don't know about you sometimes I like to switch uh, <sighs> while the doctor and Sarah and then sneak all of their stuff back into the doctor's pockets. Dylan goes, hey, look, there's a self-destruct button right here. You can press it if you want. Sarah finds the time ring, and they're like, good, that's something. And then, oh, the Daleks are also here and are ready to shoot everybody. And then the trench boys are hanging out with some C4 in the bunker, and they're like, we don't even have the time to wait for them. We need to blow this place up. And Dylan asks people to not betray him, and Himmler walks away to go do something. Too bad he gets cornered by the crew and attacked, and they drop the time ring. And then Himmler tells them where the tape recorder is. Everyone walks that way. They get it. The Muto that saved Sarah is running around the halls while Daleks drive around. They basically destroy the tape recorder with Dalek penis, and Himmler runs away, locking them in the room. So the doctor decides to leave it to them and use the time ring to return. Oh, no, we dropped it. But the doctor's screwdriver won't even open the door. So they glance at the camera uh, that's viewing the conversation with everybody. And all the Daleks are here and they have gotten into the room now and they just kill everyone. And then the doctor decides to just blow up the incubation room because fuck it. 
and the room and Sarah and Harry walk off uh, with the ring or are sent off with the ring. Himmler tells Dylan that they escaped and the Daleks uh, go after them. Bombs are also ready to detonate, but everyone is out but the doctor who is being lasered in a corner while being stopped from blowing stuff up. So the doc Dalek is just rolling over the wires now, triggers the connection, blows it up. So I guess the Daleks are fucking dead now. Uh, looks like the automatic Dalek building building line has started. And fucking D- Dylan is like, what the fuck? I didn't do that. You nearly said and- his real name. Okay. Um, and he's like, what the fuck? And they're like, oh, the Daleks started this. We're doing this. And they're like, no, you listen to me. And they're like, no, we fucking don't. What the fuck? And then he gets murdered. The doctor makes a break for it, gets out in time, and the C4 goes off. And then the Daleks are going to be delayed by like a thousand years or something. And they murder everybody in that room before we cut away to an even happier moment where everybody's like, thanks. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Let's leave with the time ring by spinning in place. Hee hee. That's it. Uh, so, real quick, it's kind of... It can be uh, kind of argued that the Doctor's mission was actually kind of successful here because he does delay sort of the Daleks by a, a thousand years or so, as he estimates, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, is, isn't... Isn't by much, but by the sort of cosmic scale of things, it does still change things enough so that where it alters the balance of power, um, and as a result, is the first shot in the time war to come. Um, but that was the genesis of the Daleks. It was widely regarded uh, by a lot of fans as one of, if not the best episode of the classic era. I I would agree that it's one of the best. I wouldn't say it's the best. Good thing I'm not a um, fan. It's, it's one of my one of my favorites as a jumping off point to sort of talk about the connective tissue of Doctor Who. And sort of the the relative things that kind of result from this episode, like the Time War, like the sort of uh, politics of Gallifrey, which it is its own audio series and everything, and s- novels about the sort of way the Time Lords are dealing with the Daleks and how that results in essentially the Time War. Um, and Davros himself and the Doctor's relationship with Davros and everything to do with that. Um and sort of the evolution of Doctor Who from good guy defeats bad guy to good guy defeats bad guy and is kind of has a moral moral sort of lesson and questioning for those paying attention. Um, I, w- I, I wouldn't recommend this as a first episode for someone to watch because without any sort of knowledge of the Daleks, it kind of makes not much sense um you kind of just go what the fuck are these things uh but it's a a very good story throughout uh as you're watching it essentially Mm -hmm. and now for dear (laughs) (laughs) um there were a lot of points that i was kind of bored if i'm gonna be honest Mm mm-hmm uh, there are good parts in this. Let me be very clear about that. There are very good parts in this that are like, yeah, cool. I'm glad that was in a Doctor Who episode. I'm surprised they did that. Like, all good for them. But like, everything else on top of that put me at like a four-ish. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, so far, I believe the average for this season is around about Essentially a four or well, four point like two five if you want to go into decimals. Hmm. Um next episode, the finale of this season, uh, even though it wasn't originally meant to be, uh 
Revenge of the Cybermen. There's Daleks in that one. You know, at least there's not Ice Warriors, I guess. No, uh, actually, now that you've brought up Ice Warriors, I will tell you real no. quick. Uh, you know that sort of, you know that, no, 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 it's really interesting. You know the thing that we called an iguana? That, that sort of slugged past in the cave in yeah. one of the episodes? Yeah. That actually was made out of the broken carapace of an Ice Warrior costume. Ah. <laughs> uh. Because it was completely broken and they were like, oh, it, it looks good as like scales. So that's technically there were ice warriors in this episode and Dia didn't even notice. Um, hey, this episode's like don't a worry, the ice warriors now. They're never coming back. Good. They never come back. Good. Um, those costumes were impossible for them to work with, and they just didn't really have any interesting episodes to think of with them. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Revenge of the Cybermen is next. Uh, anything else you want to add, Dia, before we go bye bye? I need to shit. Okay, Dear needs to shit. If anyone knows where Dear can shit, or if anyone is volunteering uh, their hands for Dear to shit into, I can't please, uh, shit. Tweet Dear in Barry's room. Dear bits underscore on Twitter. I uh, can't. Yes, you can. I made it. You can. Can I? Yeah, I made it a long time ago that you could. Oh hell yeah! Um, cool. Uh, tweet at Dear bits underscore on Twitter. Uh, and tell Dear. That uh, they can poop in your hands. Thank you and mm-hmm. good night.